House of Cards, Season 3, Episode 12 is over, but we're just getting started here. Chapter 38 of House of Cards post-show recap, and now here are the two men who are leaving a podcast listeners. 16% of them are still undecided whether or not we're doing a good job, uh, but a lot of other people think we're not doing a good job. I'm Rob Sister, here's Zach Brooks. Hey, um... Uh, What's our I, approval rating? I'm forgetting your name. Yes. Uh, I shouldn't be making that joke. No, no, no. no. I am. I am. Uh, I am Supreme uh, Court uh, Justice nominee Rob Cisternino. Oh, I support that ticket. I've been offered a spot on the bench. Yeah, you're getting benched. Coming to you live from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like taking selfies on the stand. Yes. and like, <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's me. Oh, All right. sounds great. Here we go. I feel like that was a Paulie Shore movie. Oh, I do actually love Jury Duty. I'll do a Jury <laughs> Duty podcast if you want. <laughs> no, I think we're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Zach, we have only one episode left of House of Cards. <sighs> crazy. It is it's crazy. So, l- so much to settle. So much to settle. And interesting, a episode which has a lot of Claire, also directed by Robin Wright. So I feel like that this episode, maybe more so than the last one she directed, I felt like the spotlight was on Claire a bit more in this story than the episode 35 that she directed last. Yeah, double duty, really, in this episode. She had a lot to do, and I think she does a good job with it. So we will talk about all of that. Of course, uh, hey, you don't want to miss the last episode. You've come this far. Subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. All right, so let's start off with Claire and Frank. Um, The episode ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, even though uh, you've said that Cousin of Cards does not do cliffhangers. Yeah, wrong once again. My uh, my resume this season, not too strong. Yes. Okay, what was that last line? Uh, She says... You know, it's something about that we've been lying. And, and Frank says, well, what would they think if we told them the yeah, truth? What and then would she the goes, voters think if we started telling them the truth? Yeah. <laughs> and she says, no, to each other. And oh. then it just ended. And I was like, what? And she said, they're lying to each other. And I was like, did my cable just go out? Like the end of The Sopranos? What happened? So what is going on here? Is Claire contemplating, you know, we've talked about every seven years. We've talked about... She compares this engagement to standing on the bridge to commit suicide. We heard in this episode that this childless marriage, the only child that they had is legacy. Legacy is the offspring of this marriage. Yet Claire sat down with a woman who contemplated smothering her baby with a pillow. Is Claire on the verge of smothering the Underwood legacy with the pillow and running for it. Oh man, that parallel would be, that's terrifying. I mean, that's gotta be terrifying for Frank. I I don't, uh, she might be, I mean, I don't really know how she gets out of this. She feels so trapped. I think she's out. I think Claire's out. Can we get her back or is she gone? Hmm. Boy, I I think we could be setting up a boy, season four of house of cards with a Frank minus, Claire, like a uh, boy, that would be like tough. Frank versus is is Claire the big bad of season four? No, I can't imagine that. I mean, you referenced the Sopranos, and there was a whole season of the Sopranos where you know uh, Tony and Carmelo were split, and that was more of a hostile thing. And I know a lot of people were critical of then you know Carmela basically got bought back when Tony bought her the spec house, and I don't know if Claire Underwood 
is going to do that. We've always made the parallels between Hillary Clinton and Claire Underwood, but Hillary Clinton never left Bill Clinton as much as she may have wanted to over the years. She always stuck it out. She always uh, stood by him. Do you think, you know, this season started with Claire Underwood talking about, hey, I'm almost 50. You know, I need to be thinking about my legacy and what I'm doing. Could Claire, at the height of her popularity, maybe thinking about going at it alone? And would that vault her to even higher approval ratings? She's in a great position right now to, to really grasp some power. Um, but I am, I'm curious how she would do it. Like, what would she do? Is she, she couldn't just leave Frank. She has to destroy his legacy while she does it. She has to kill the baby. Well, by killing the, she's killing the baby of that, but she's divorcing him while he's in office. I mean, he's done. I mean, she is the woman that's on the rebound. She's the hero in this story. I mean, the narrative is going to be, look at Claire Underwood go. She left her lying, manipulative husband, and she's out there. She's a strong woman. You know, she's going to forget what Dunbar has gone. Would she run for president now? Boy, that would be crazy. I mean, couldn't Frank just be like, Claire, 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 just just stick around for a couple months until this election is over, and then you can leave. Because, I mean, once he's, once he's president, she can leave. I mean, you know. But the time is right now. She's... She's hot now. Yeah, I mean, can, maybe Frank can offer her something. What, what? I mean, and then how is she different than Carmela Soprano if then she comes back to be bought off? I mean, she talked about every seven years. You know, she said, okay, at seven years, okay, that was fine. At 14 years, uh, I forget what the reason why she stuck around then. But at 21 years, could this be her opportunity? I mean, she mentioned the UN thing of like that, you know, you said it was my idea. It's like, well, that's what we told people. And she yeah. was like, oh, but that's not what, what I want. She, if she might feel like, hey, if I can break away from Frank now, I can finally call the shots myself. I mean, maybe. I just don't know. You know, I don't, It's going to be very polarizing for her career if she leaves Frank and then it's like, oh, look at me. You know, vote, vote for me in this position. Uh, just because I left my husband. I think perception is everything. And I think that she is going to come out as a strong woman. And again, just like that woman said, like, uh, like, you know, no, I don't support your husband. Like, I'm sure you're fine, but my husband supports your husband. You know, I support Dunbar. And I think that if Claire was to leave Frank again, Frank is the one that has all of this, the, you know, everything sticks to him. Claire is the one apparently is able to rise above it all. Uh, although I will say, I feel like it's a little odd and I don't really understand how Claire Underwood's approval ratings are sky high because it seems like, and Dunbar is like, we've got nothing on her. We've got nothing on Claire Underwood. When one season ago, there were protesters like outside of Claire that people hated Claire Underwood a year ago. She was the anchor to Frank Underwood. People liked Frank Underwood more than Claire Underwood. Never underestimate the power of going back to blonde. I don't know. I guess they re people really like that. But I mean, in all seriousness, between the, uh, the scandal with the photographer and all the people protesting, and then she was the, you know, recess appointment in the Senate, you, people, I can't imagine, would have had such a fast turnaround of we love Claire Underwood when she has almost as many scandals as Frank in the public eye. Yeah, I feel like the American public on this show has a very short, uh, very short memory. Fickle. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, ju- they just, I don't know if they're fickle or they're just forgetful. Like it just <laughs> sure. seems like things happen. And then a, a couple episodes pass and people just forget all about these characters. Yeah. I mean, it just seems odd to me that all of a sudden Claire Underwood is, you know, such a rock star. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's very good in the public though. She has a different voice when she's out in public. I noticed when she was speaking, she's, you know, kind of like how Frank has his different voice when he's manipulating you. Yeah. Uh, Claire, Claire definitely has that power as well. Yeah. I mean, her approval ratings are somewhere in between Ellen and Beyonce. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So is there going to be like a Bajancy? Like an SNL for, for people who don't like Claire Underwood? Yes. They're going to come get Dunbar. Oh man. <laughs> so what do we and, think happens? Do you, do you, are you with me? Do you think that Claire leaves Frank in at the end of the season? I, I mean, that would be huge. That would be a really big, probably the biggest thing they've done on this show outside of killing Zoe Barnes. That would um, be big. That would be big because I always feel like it seems hollow where, you know, Frank Underwood talks about how, Oh, I love Claire. I love Claire more than anything. You know, I, if he comes after her, I'll slit her throat. You know, He's always talking about Claire, 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 Claire. But if he had, you know, the, you know, the Spider-Man predicament of it's like, hey, save the girl or save the world. You can only pick one. What are you going to do? He's going to save himself. So he would let Claire go to remain president? Uh, I think so. I think I think power is his ultimate power is his ultimate goal. And, and Claire is it's a big part of that power. But, you know, much like, you know, somebody's weapon or, or the Batmobile is for Batman, it's, the Batmobile doesn't define Batman. And I think that at least the way Frank looks at it. Now, I don't know if that's actually true, but Frank looks at it like this is one part of him keeping his powers, keeping Claire. So Frank would rather be lose Claire and stay president than keep Claire but lose the presidency. I don't think I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, I... I that's where wonder, this show is going. I feel like that's going to be the decision that has to be made. Yeah, he's going to have to make the decision. Now, why can't I have my cake and eat it too? I love cake and I love my wife. Why can't I have both at the same time? Where I come from, you people have cake and eat it too all the time. How about lobster? He's got to try to cover this up somehow. Lobster sounds great. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be tricky. And I don't see how he gets out of it. Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride in... Um, You know, I really love how he opens the episode when he's talking to the crowd and he's, you know, he refers to Claire as, you know, smart enough to marry him or smart enough to stay married to him. Yeah. And then she's she smartens up. Smarten up. Uh, I think that she's gone. I think she's out because I just feel like it would be the same exact thing as we saw during the Russian, you know, fight over Petrov and then the whole thing where then they renew the vows and they got back together. Like, um. I, I just think that it would be exactly the same as this. Yeah. After, you know, after Frank in this episode, and we'll talk about it, Frank went out of the way to save Claire's reputation with this abortion journal. Mm, but then the fact that she, he let Doug back into the fold without talking to her. Like, I think that in, in her mind, that was an unforgivable mistake that Doug, uh, committed or an un, speakable act that Doug did to them. And then Frank is like, what are you talking about? Doug's great. He, he did it the right thing. And I feel like I'd be a lot more on Claire's side. I don't know if I could trust Doug again after this. I don't know what she's got against Doug. What has Doug really done to her? I just heard Doug, and Doug haven't really interacted. went and brought their chief political rival 
a diary from her abortion doctor that she testified that uh, what didn't happen. Yeah, but it was all just like a chess move. He was never going to give it to him. Uh, but I mean, Dunbar, I mean, that could still get out. I mean, like Dunbar can like well, they, they can't prove it potentially, but like Dunbar can't like back channel that where it's like uh, like the Des Bryant tape. <laughs> and it's just like a rumored journal that's out there. I mean, I feel like there was it's like, oh, this Claire Under. I hear it's five times worse than the Ray Rice journal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. Did Doug do something that Claire doesn't like? Yes. But how many years has he served Frank and been a really, really good second in command or, or you know, I guess not really second in command, but the soldier to Frank. I mean, he, I feel like he's done enough that. He's earned enough reputation that Claire should be like, okay, I can look past this. I get what he was trying to do. I don't know. I, I don't think I would be as forgiving with this whole Doug thing. I mean, that it's one thing if this was a totally like well thought out plan and stuff like that. And yet it worked out where then Dunbar ultimately needed the thing. And then she wanted to buy it for $2 million so that she could use it against them. And it came at the right time when he could leverage that. But it's so many other things could have gone wrong. I mean, there were so many times where Doug was just like totally out of control and was not like part of this master plan that he had. Yeah. Well, so is she going to say Doug, Doug or me? She's out. She's not. I think she's already no, out. There's she no can't getting her be back. Bought back. I just, I don't know. I think, my I think problem, the only thing I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Zach. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Complain, but I'll play by the rules. Play by the rules. Uh, this is what happens when you follow your lead, Rob. Uh, uh, come on now. Let, let's get back to the, the issue at hand. <laughs> I think for me, when I watch these shows and I watch, you know, Breaking Bad and I see Skylar White, like, I don't know. I just, I root for these guys. I root for Walter White. I root for Frank Underwood. And when somebody is just being difficult, it I get that she has her desires and what she wants, but she's just, it just frustrates me that she's being difficult right now because they're in a position where they can they can win this well i'm telling you i feel very strongly that this is not skylar white this is not carmela soprano that she's done being a willing enabler of frank underwood i think the only thing he could do is to say look i will give up my aspiration to be the president and completely support your career from here on out. It's your turn, Claire. I've had my time. It's your turn. And wherever you want to go, you're the boss. And I will put you first and my career goals second. And short of that, I don't think there's anything he could say that will win her back. Do you think he's going to do that? Of course not. He's Frank Underwood. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was telling, even in Iowa in this episode, that they went and retired to separate. They couldn't even share a room in Iowa. Yeah, I, I saw that, too. And, like, they picked the two rooms that are as far away from each other as possible. They really they really make a why when they get to the top of those stairs. Yeah. So I think that this is over. I, I'm curious to see where it goes. But let me say this, House of Cards. Uh, I'm going to the mat for this I, for this idea. Don't. In the next episode, give it to me that, oh, like, oh, Frank, you got me a black egg. That was just what I wanted. (laughs) Like, oh, you've brought the you brought the monks back 
and they've made a big sign that says, uh, I'm sorry, you complete me. Okay. You've, you've won, you've won me back. Let's, let's go win that. Let's go win that, uh, nomination. Yeah, I just, uh, I know you're right. Or, it or gives cheap. her a box with like the brown, uh, Claire all like hair dye. Like Claire, <laughs> I think it's time to go back. <laughs> like, right. We ha- back in black. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, who says it, blondes have more fun? <laughs> you should have used that line. That's a great line. <laughs> Frank. Yeah. That would have been a really good way to, to, um, you know, to get her back on his side. Say, Hey, you're going to have so much more fun as a blonde. Look at all these famous blondes. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really have to push her that hard. I mean, she was like, no, no, let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean. Yeah. All right. So Frank and Claire, that's going to be the biggest story we're going to watch here in the next. Uh, do we have a runtime on chapter 39? 59 minutes. 59 minutes. Okay. A full hour to go on yeah. chapter 39. All right. Let's talk. We touched on Doug. Doug's return to prominence. Uh, Doug has made it back to the top of the mountain. He is now the new chief of staff at the White House. Are you surprised? No. I predicted this in the last podcast. One of the only things I predicted right this season. <laughs> yeah, it did seem a little bit of a fate accompli that he, after Remy left and that opening was there, that Doug would not return to that spot by the end of the season. So uh, here is Doug. He is back. Do you feel like Doug is firing on all cylinders? Yeah, he's he's going to AA. He's, uh, he's, he's a really good manager, Mr. Manager. He's great. Yes. And he's already got the list of new people. Um, for the Supreme Court, that's a thing that we'll talk about with Dunbar. The whole thing with the diary, though, I really feel like, boy, this was a, such a gamble. Definitely. And he's just carrying it around in his bag, too. Uh, just like walking around. Like, what if, you know, people get mugged in D.C.? It happens. Yeah, especially drunk-ass Stamper. <laughs> D.A.S. <laughs> Stampering around, you know. Oh. Dr- drunk ass Doug, D A D, Dad, another parenting <laughs> reference in the show. <laughs> All right, so I didn't understand also how he went from uh, w- where do you keep your cigarettes? Uh, he's like uh, up there in that bowl, and then so how does he always keep cigarettes in a bowl? How did he go from like was he gonna take a cigarette and light it and then burn the book with it? Like, yeah, that didn't make any sense. I thought he was gonna like smoke a cigarette. It was like he just wanted to use that bowl as an ashtray. Yeah. You, and you would think that we would have sort of like pretty sensitive smoke detectors in the oval <laughs> office, right? <laughs> like that, that seems about right. So would you have liked to have seen like the sprinkler go off and just everybody gets smoked? <laughs> and like, like Meacham like runs in and like dive tackles Doug like, ah, my arm, my arm. <laughs> and Frank is like, I was just making something in the toaster and set off the fire alarm. Yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah. If that was my kitchen, the smoke alarm would have been going off about 10 minutes before. Yeah. Even the mention of a cigarette would have... <laughs> like, would you have things like sprinklers. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie comes in. Hey, what happened to the water pressure out here? <laughs> Trying to water the bushes. Oh, don't mess with Freddie's water. Yeah, come on. So, Doug is back. Uh, can Doug and Seth work together? Yeah, I was so impressed with Doug's management of Seth. He's a... He's a great leader. He just, you know, he, he enables his guys to to go and, and he doesn't even need to read their work. Is it um, because we go back to that Doug can't read? <laughs> you know, that's that might be you might be onto something. It's like, He's, Seth, it, I would read your work, but uh, Rachel's not here. So uh, I'm just going to have to take your word for it. 
Can you get me an Audible account and send that over yes, to him? Yes, yes. Let me get my uh, narrator on my <laughs> Mac to tell me what it says. Maybe that could be a new series of podcasts for you. You just do personal podcasts for Doug Stamper, oh. reading him the news and everything. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so also, we saw Doug at the end of the episode. And Doug is back with Agent Green. Agent Green. And they are looking for Gavin. Now, why is Doug back on this kick to get Gavin back in the country? Well, because he wants to find Rachel. Does he, again, let's just go back to this. Does he want to find Rachel? Because now it's, is it that A, he's in love with her, or B, it's like, oh, now I'm chief of staff and there is that loose end that I was supposed to take care of that I didn't do. So now I have to find Rachel and kill her because that's what I need to take care of because it's my job or am I still crazy drunk ass duh, and I need to fall in love with Rachel and have her read to me again. It's more likely that he's trying to tie up that loose end because he's never told Frank, oh yeah, by the way, uh, that wasn't actually Rachel who was dead. And we when you say her. tie up that loose end, you mean like put her in her, his house tied up with a book next to her. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe some water in case her throat gets dry. Yes, or maybe at least a syringe full of water. <laughs> exactly. Maybe like spray it in her mouth every uh, couple hours. Yeah, like the, the water. Dentist. The water. Just the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I still like that Doug is, is like crazy and he's just putting on a really good face and he's still obsessed with her and he's going to be like, look at me. I'm the chief of staff to the president. I'm the most eligible bachelor in D.C. Yeah, where did the physical therapist story go? She moved to Seattle. But why did we see that on this show? Can we have like that, you know, 30 minutes of screen time of Doug and the physical therapist storyline back? I mean, maybe he's that was wasted energy on that. I don't know. That was a pretty hot scene. I mean, unless that this is somehow Chekhov's physical therapist. I don't (laughs) see what that has to do with anything this season. Yeah, but we've had characters that play a really small role one season, come back and have a much bigger role the next. Okay. Well, the physical therapist is going to come back from Seattle. Yeah, she might get she might, you know, see Doug is is chief of staff when they announce it and realize that she screwed up and she's better off in D.C. with the chief of staff, of the White House. I'm telling you, Doug is my nominee for LVP this season. Oh, really? I got another nominee for LVP, but I'm waiting till I'm waiting till the finale to announce it. All right. Uh, I'm officially. uh I'm here to appoint my nominee for LVP of this season, uh, Mr. Doug Stamper. Uh, His work with his brother and uh, his brother's wife was absolutely a snooze fest. And also uh, his uh, affair with the physical therapist uh, really did not advance the plot. So it is with great pleasure I submit to you for your approval the nomination of Doug Stamper LVP of season three of House of Cards. He got some on-screen action. I think that gets him out of the LVP category. <laughs> that he was responsible for there being sex in the show? Well, that he Between got some sex. Yeah, I mean, he's really... It was Not really, that many characters in this show get sex, all right? Yeah, a, a very small amount of sex here in season three of House of Cards is really between... Uh, we should have the, the... What would we call the House of the... Uh, the Underwoodies, the boy, the <laughs> house of the house of Cardies, the house of the underwear, the house of underwears. Yeah, yeah. Well, best uh, best hookup of season <laughs> season three. Oh, best hookup of season three is Claire on top of Frank. 
Maybe. Not <laughs> or or sideways Jackie Sharp and Dr. Alan Cook. What about Kate's? Oh yeah, Kate's. That yeah. was good. Too. Yeah, we got lots. Of, we got lots of uh, yeah. Doug in the hooker with the with the bourbon <laughs> syringe. Yeah. See how can Doug be your LVP? And I'm gonna I'm gonna convince you to vote somewhere. Okay, else. you convince me. Yeah. Look, right. my my vote is not made up until we actually get to the vote. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, uh, let's talk about uh, what was going on on the ground in Iowa. Of course, uh, Dunbar is really. Uh, Desperate, even though she got the Jackie Sharp uh, endorsement in the last episode, uh, but she's really scrambling. Also, Claire Underwood, as we mentioned, has uh, extremely high popularity. Everybody's loving Claire Underwood. Um, let's talk about that scene with Claire Underwood and the mom with the baby. Susie. Susie. Crazy Susie. Crazy ass Susie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that that went a lot different than I was expecting. I don't know about you. Yeah, that really did go different. And not for anything, Claire Underwood went in there expecting to be able to convince Susie about changing her mind. And it was almost the opposite happened. That Susie, crazy Susie, convinced Claire, hey, maybe I'm making the wrong decision with my life. Yeah, and I mean, she's breastfeeding in front of Claire. Uh, A brelfie. (laughs) Exactly, a brelfie. She, I mean... Like, she gave so much information to Claire, like, totally TMI. Right. Is this an unfit mother? Should they come and take that baby away from her? I think that she was worried that that was what was going to happen. Because then at the end, she gets all nervous, and she's like, I'm so tired. You're a great listener. You should run for office. Yeah. So how about this? What goes on at this house? So her husband has sex with everybody. She doesn't really care that much. She cares more about the lying. And then... She is giving head to guys who come over and put baby furniture together. Whoa. Like what? (laughs) That is effed up. Yeah. That is like some Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. Claire's like, I'll take the check now. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I've taken up too much of your time. I really just go to Ikea An Ikea. No, that's the together that you'd have to give uh, so much head for (laughs) Ikea stuff. (laughs) You got to buy stuff that's already assembled, man. Ikea is the worst oh, or the best, depending on if you're the builder. Listen, like uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going over to put anybody's baby furniture together. Shaver for anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I, well, again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in that in the head for baby furniture business. <laughs> but if I was, I'm not uh, getting out of bed in the morning to go to somebody's house for, unless it's for uh, a uh, a year of head. Bedhead. Bedhead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If that if that kid ever finds out why their crib was built, like, oh, this crib is so great. Who put it together? Tell me the story of how my crib was put together. Who would say that? <laughs> it's if Claire Underwood tips the baby off and is like, ask your mother about the crib. Yeah. Well, that, that was Frank Underwood as Claire yeah, Underwood. Doug's, Doug Stamper <laughs> comes in with the diary of like, uh, so kid, you want to know how your mom got that crib built? <laughs> Give me $2 million. <laughs> Get out of here, drunk ass Doug. <laughs> We're tired of you. How'd you get in here? Dad. <laughs> Boy. So, yeah, that, uh, that was a wild story. Yeah. Uh, crazy lady. I, I did not see that going like that. But she, I thought she was going to have, like, committed a crime or something. And, and the whole thing was just weird. Like, like, Claire gets to the door and she says, oh, what a beautiful baby. And the baby's not even looking at Claire. All she can see is the back of the baby's head. Yeah. What, what do you want her to say? The baby was breathtaking? Yes. <laughs> that baby is breathtaking. I, I, I use breathtaking all the time in that context. <laughs> Speaking of breathtaking, let's talk about another reunion. 
of Remy and Jackie Sharp. Um, did you like this scene? Uh, yeah, they, it was pretty hot. <laughs> Whoa. I would <laughs> say that I did not like this scene. She can't stop thinking about him. I just felt like this was, you know, a little days of our lives, you know, like they have this whole scene. It's like, you know, uh, she's like, she wants him to come back. And he's like, no, that's it. I'm out of the game. I'm not coming back. She's like, I just thought we could work together again. You know, I, I want you to be a part of like, you can't, we can't be together. You're married. And she's like, no, well, uh, that I, I got married for the wrong reasons. He's like, uh, I guess I'll be seeing you. And then like, they just like run into an embrace. Like, ah. <laughs> A little on the nose, a little on the nose. Like uh, yeah. this was like a scene that you would do uh, in like some like horrible like actors workshop. <laughs> I mean, not whenever- to say that they're horrible actors. I'm saying that this scene was not the high point of the series. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's you know what? You can blame the director for bad performing. <laughs> I'm not blaming the director. Robin Wright. I'm not blaming her. I just felt like this was a, a little tawdry. Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't the greatest scene. But I do like I do think we got somewhere with this, and I feel like those two kind of are like never getting anywhere together. So at least we got a little bit more. And um, you know, whenever a character on TV says they're out of the game, they are never out of the game. Have you ever seen somebody say they're out of the game and actually be out of the game? Hmm. Uh, a lot of times, uh, most Sundays during football season, when I watch the Jets, <laughs> where it's like, uh, all right, after one quarter, the Jets are out of the game. <laughs> 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 Fair. So well, that's, uh, uh, that's let, let Remy let Remy play for the Jets. Yeah, maybe uh, you can get him back. You know, she says she was married for the wrong reason. I mean, I thought they got engaged for pizza. Yeah, that would be the right reason in my book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't tell Josh Wickler that. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, as far as uh, Yates goes, let's talk. Let's talk Kate's. Kate's was both uh, Yates and Kate factored in here. Of course, uh, Kate had a little bit less to do. She ended up writing this story about the covert operation and ends up doesn't seeming like it's going to be that big of a deal. Seems like uh, Frank has it under control. But Yates, um, you don't think that's a, I think that's going to end up being a big deal. Yeah. Why? What's going to happen? I mean, I don't, like that's like he wrote it with the poison pen. We, we pointed that out right from the beginning. That's true. He signed it with the poison pen. Um, and I, don't, I mean, she's just exposing. It's just another scandal for Frank Underwood to deal with. But this one could be be pretty big. I don't know. I, I just think I think they wouldn't have shown this if this was nothing. I guess so. But I just feel like we have so much else going on. Yeah. yeah I mean, do you feel like this becomes like a big enough scandal that Frank Underwood is going to not is going to resign and not run? No, I don't think he'll resign. But I could see this like the next episode we open with like a newscast where they're covering this or, or some, you know, this is, this plays into kind of the beginning of the next episode. Somehow. Hmm. I'm also wondering, uh, going back to my original thought, I, I think that there's a better than 0% chance that Frank does, uh, decide not to run for the pre- for the nomination uh, and does go with Claire. And then next season is about Claire's rise to power. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what next season is about, but I think that there's a better than 0% chance of that happening. Like I I almost could see that more than I could see a season where they're not together Mm -hmm. because even though I believe in this, in this world that the character that we've seen of Frank Underwood would choose the presidency over Claire. I do feel like the show wants to present it to us that Frank would choose Claire over the presidency. Like, I don't think that the show is being disingenuous when, when there, the character is saying, 
you know, I love that woman more than anything. And she's my partner and blah, 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 blah. Even though I feel like, does that make sense? I feel like if, if the character was true, I feel like he would care about the presidency more than Claire. But I feel like the show wants to say that he would pick Claire over the presidency. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be pretty big if he did that. I mean, that would be a huge shift for this show. Zach, let's get back into talking about Yates and what is going to happen here that Yates wrote the book. The book is crazy. It has nothing to do with what Frank wanted. He wanted like a propaganda book. And this book is turning into like a bio about the Underwood marriage. Wow. That, I mean, did they not like have check-ins or anything? I mean, Frank, while he might be president, is not a good manager. Hmm. Unlike Doug Stamper. Yeah. Could Claire, if she wanted to, if she's going to leave Frank. Oh, boy. Could she take the book with her? I'm taking the book. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I don't know if she could legally because it's Frank. Well, I guess they're married, so maybe they, they split assets. Part of and, the story. Yeah. Um, and do you think the season ends with Claire releasing the book? Boy, um, I think that Kate Baldwin had it right. Which is, like, he, you know, he breaks people. He destroys people. Like, don't mess with this guy. Yeah, she doesn't even know that he throws people in front of Metro cars. Yeah, she doesn't even know. Like, uh, like hey, remember that girl Zoe Barnes that used to come around here? Like, whatever happened to her? Or her coworker, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> now, I thought one thing in the episode that happened, and I want to get your take on this because I didn't really get it. Yates is on the phone with Frank, right? And mm-hmm. then he's, he's on the phone. And he's like in like a deli or something like that. And <laughs> they, he's like, I don't even remember what I came in here for. And and the guy at the counter says orange juice. He's like, it's in his hand. He's like, oh yeah, orange juice. What <laughs> yeah. is going on with Yates? I don't know because that was right after we see the Dunbar and Justice Jacobs scene. I mean, you don't think Yates has Alzheimer's, do you? No, I think I think they were just trying to say Yates hasn't been sleeping. He hasn't been sleeping, or that wasn't it- a good way to do it. I mean, have him like be in a movie and just fall asleep if you want to show that he's tired. Or like, how about let's get him in bed with Kate Baldwin and he falls asleep. That's how you know he's tired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's like, what? Oh, You're falling asleep? No, I don't know. I'm just resting my eyes. No. Like, uh, <laughs> no, you were sleeping. Oh, bad. Yes. <laughs> this is better than the Remy and Jackie scene. Yeah, it's always the worst when somebody calls you out and says you were sleeping when you were, but you're like, you don't want like, you During know, you're like sex. Well, I don't know what during sex that's ever happened to me, but okay, yes. um, like during a movie or something, you know, you're watching a movie and you fall asleep. So you're like, hey, you fell asleep. You're like, no, no, no. I was, I was up the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't think that Yates was turning into another uh, drunk ass dog, do you? No, I don't. I don't think he was drunk. I, that was just a really weird scene. And also like the play, he's like in a deli, but he's getting orange juice. Get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that whole, that whole part. Um, yeah. But you know, Kate Baldwin is like, uh, don't do this. Just let it go. He's like, that's exactly what Frank said. Do you think Yates accidentally read the Justice Jacobs lines on that scene? <laughs> they got the cue cards mixed up? Yeah. They're like, that's not your line. The editor just left it in. It's like, how come Justice Jacobs gets all the good scenes? <laughs> he gets the orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> they screwed that up. Um, now I'd be surprised if that made it in, if that was the case. Yeah, probably not. 
So where does this go from here? You know, we saw then where Yates got threatened by Frank, uh, where he's like, uh, like uh, I highly suggest you let this go. Uh, what does he say to him? What's the, what's the exact line? He said, oh, litigation will be the least of your concern. Yeah, and he, he threatens that he's going to reveal that Yates stole the uh, first part of his book and didn't actually write it, which we don't even know if that's true. I guess it must be, because if it wasn't true, I think uh, Yates would be like, Go ahead and tell people that. That's not true. Well, it's still I like... I just made that up to tell you. Just it's like, still damaging to your reputation. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's the Petrov move. It's like, uh, Petrov, I know that you uh, secretly killed your own men. And he's like, oh, Frank, you, uh, you believe that? That's uh, we, we manipulated your wife and we made that up. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Uh, you have nothing. Um, you know, that would be the move if he, if he was lying. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I I don't know. I mean, I just think so much of this story about his friend. And I, I hope that we get some more information about this friend story in the finale. I don't know. 59 minutes. I don't have time for Yates's friend. It's <laughs> Nucky Thompson. Oh, all right. Well, maybe. <laughs> hey, Nucky. <laughs> she does kind of in this in this show have a weird voice also. Look, after you pointed that out, I definitely noticed that he's got like a I don't know what it is. It's like a weird. It's a little bit higher. It's not quite like this impression you're doing, but. Hey, Nucky, um, can I read your book here? <laughs> First part's pretty good, but I got a better ending for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is that how he talks? Yeah. All right. Crossing Boardwalk Empire off the list of shows to uh, watch. Don't rule it out for, for Yates. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what else from this episode? Oh, man. So much. I mean, we, we talked about Frank and Dunbar. Um, we didn't really talk about Dunbar and Justice Jacobs. Oh, and- Justice Jacobs Jingleheimer Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) That's his formal name. That's his given name. That's my name also. (laughs) My name too. Yes. Yes. But he can't, that's why he can't remember names. I mean, that's a lot of names to remember. (laughs) He forgot that those were his other names. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, Jacobs, does this season end with Dunbar as appointed to the Supreme court? No, I feel like it does. Really? Yes. What, what you think even after all this is Frank going to nominate her or is she going to like take some deal? All right. Well then who gets appointed to the Supreme court? I don't know. I'm curious who's on this, this list that Doug has come up with. It's like, it has to be somebody that we've seen before. So yeah, I mean, does. here are the possibilities of Supreme court justice. Uh, Remy. Nope. Okay. Claire Underwood. Mm, I don't think she's really got the legal background. Yeah. Well, didn't stop her at the UN. It's true. I mean, who else do we know? Who else is a lawyer? Is Mendoza a lawyer? <laughs> Mendoza's gone. <It's> been, <laughs> they didn't pick up his contract. It's over. <laughs> he uh, just got, oh man, he got like two episodes and he's out. Yeah. Jackie Sharp. I'll tell you what Doug's list is. It just says Rachel, Rachel, Rachel 50 Rachel. times. <laughs> Will Rachel be <laughs> the Supreme? Uh, I'd like to nominate my appointment for the Supreme Court Justice. Uh, she is a fine, wor- she has worked in Washington, D.C. for years. She has been working with a lot of politicians. Uh, she worked closely with uh, Congressman Pete Russo. She's a Washington, D.C. insider, and she is, um, uh, it's been seeing every part of the country. <laughs> Especially Santa Fe. Very, very well versed in Santa Fe issues. She is a woman who's very well read in literature. <laughs> she is uh, a lot of uh, background in uh, 
LGBT issues. Uh, <laughs> she will be a champion for gay rights on the on the court. I present to you. Uh, I don't know her last name on the show. Uh, Rachel. I don't know what it is either. Yeah. Wait, yeah well, her first name is the same as uh, her character name. Yeah. Justice. <laughs> Justice Rachel. Justice Rachel. <laughs> or I got another. I got another suggestion. Yes. What about Cashew? Cashew. Like like Captain Chicken from SNL this week. Yeah. We could have Justice Cashew. Cashew will be a fine court justice. Uh, or or does, Ka- does he nominate Cashew first? And everybody's like, boo, Cashew. is like, okay, well, you didn't like my first nomination. So here's my real nomination, uh, Rachel. <laughs> like, is, is Cashew the one that they get to shoot down? And then they and then that just warms people up for, uh, for Rachel. And everybody's like, Rachel who? And he's like, just Rachel. <laughs> You know, the girl that that uh, supposed to be dead, but now she's back. Yeah. Solves all the problems. Yes. Uh, you know her from all those traffic videos. <laughs> <laughs> really solid her. <laughs> um, was part of Doug's deal with Frank or with Dunbar was a part of either negotiation a new laptop? I mean, he's going to have to get a laptop if he's going to be chief of staff. Yeah, Doug, 20, what, what do you want for the diary? Oh, well, I'm going to need a new MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything that's waterproof? <laughs> they are making a lot of that stuff waterproof now. The phones are waterproof, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else from this episode? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I really love the, the Frank and Dunbar scene in the oh, basement yeah. staircase. What was the significance of going back to the cigar mark on the wall? I mean, it reminded him of when Petrov took control over him. Again, this was the last time we saw like two heavy hitters in the White House uh, in this one room. We saw in that scene, that was where Frank uh, wanted to push Petrov down the stairs. Uh, He did not. But Petrov like put his cigar out on the wall Um, there. But there had to have been some significance. What is the connection here between Petrov and Dunbar? I mean, it's, it's Frank's big enemies this season. The, the big people he's going up against and um, he does it in there. He's able to come out from the top of the staircase and, and look down on her in a very powerful position. And of course it's a dark room. Uh, you know what? You know what I think it might be, you know, he says to Dunbar in that scene uh, when she's down there, he says that, Oh, you're one of us. Now you're one of the guys in the, in the smoky room. Uh, And the fact that that's where literally Frank and Petrov were smoking cigars. She's now a like a a back room player that she was always like above the fray. But now here she is in the place where the, you know, power brokers go to talk about these deals in smoky rooms and smoke cigars. Here's Dunbar in a place where she never would have been a couple months ago. Yeah. And there's a literal black mark on the wall. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about the black signifying power in this season. Uh, and, and she came there because Doug or Frank thought that she was going to be begging for the chief justice position. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, she just she lied to get in the door. She didn't actually mean that. So th- that was a really it was really cool to go back to that to that set piece and, and yes. do that scene. No, very good. Uh, yeah. He says, there, you're finally one of us, the men in their smoky back rooms. Uh, and that li- literally is the smoky back room that they're in. So one of the best moments of the episode had to have been maybe one of the best episodes of the season 
uh, or best moments of the season is when Frank calls up Dunbar. Yes. Uh, every time he talks to Dunbar on the phone, it's been pretty great. And he tells her three words. G-F-Y. Go F yourself. Yes. He says, uh, that felt good. Yeah. And of course, Doug's phone was black. Dunbar's phone was white. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really driving that point home. Okay. Well, I'm glad I got the, <laughs> I think I actually have the, uh, the uh, silver gray iPhone. <laughs> oh, do you? Like right in the middle. Oh, man. Uh, but well, I will tell my wife that she is powerless uh, with the white iPhone. Yeah, my cell phone's black, so I guess uh, we yeah, know who the captain now is. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just go Captain Phillips on me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my second Tom Hanks reference of this season of podcasting. Yes. <laughs> what was the first? Oh, uh, I, we, we were talking about your bachelor party. Oh, yes. <laughs> Now look, Captain Phillips, I'm taking over this whole uh, this whole ship, and there's really nothing you can do about it. I got the black phone, actually, so uh, I'm the captain now. Uh, Mister Pirate, that's it. Uh, you can't co- you can't come on my boat. That's it. I'm I'm taking it. Uh, please, please, uh, Mister Mister Phillips. Uh, with all due respect, uh, I I am the captain now. Wait, was that a Sioux Hawk? No, that that's was not Captain Cap- Phillips. That was Captain Phillips. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, let me hear your Captain Phillips. Oh, I, yeah, no, no, you're you're better at the impressions. Of me. I should I shouldn't throw stones. All right, I shouldn't throw stones. Okay, all right. L- let's. Uh, what about questions? Yeah. So a, a couple more uh, more things that I noticed in this episode, real quick. We get the sweeping music again, which is uh, it's it's apparently becoming. Robin Wright in the in the Robin Wright episodes. Yeah, we yes. have the sweeping music when Doug's in AA on Kate's bookshelf. There's most of the books you can't read the title, but there's one book where the title is much bigger and the title is Pops. Hmm. So again, dad reference or reaching to reaching for straws. And this is what I thought of this morning. This morning, I'm on the Metro heading into work and I see an advertisement for House of Cards and I realize in all the advertisements for House of Cards, Air Force One is the like the primary background in these advertisements. Yes. And we get another big Frank and Claire blow up scene on Air Force One. Hmm. You're saying Air Force One is going to blow up? No, I, I blow up was the wrong term. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> and I hope like NSA doesn't come after us now when they hear this podcast and we talk about Air Force One blowing up. <laughs> Do you think uh, Air Force One will be hijacked by Somali pirates? Oh, tying it all together. Get off my plane. <laughs> President Underwood, we are here to take over your, your plane. <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> now, listen, uh, th- this plane is not going to be hijacked. Uh, I, that, uh, I've told the crew to all hide. You won't find anybody here, so they'll just get off this plane. <laughs> Uh, I'll land the plane myself, like Harrison Ford. Uh, that, uh, he was a, a Ford. right out of golf course. Yes, yes. Uh, that uh, I've seen. I've seen how he does it in Air Force One, so I know exactly what to do. <laughs> <laughs> the escape. The escape pod was empty the whole time. Yes, yes. All right. So, uh, okay. Question from Johnny De Silvera. Are you ready? All right. And by the oh, way, we have a very special episode planned for the finale. So get your questions in. Episode 30. I'll tell, we'll tell you what, what's going to be special about it in a minute. Uh, House of Cards at post-show recaps. All right. Here we go. This is the question uh, from Johnny DeSilvera. He wants to know, Jackie and Remy, can this end well? Where's this going? No, it probably won't end well. Nothing really ends that great 
for any characters in this show. I haven't seen anybody who's who's really coming out on top. Also, little ends well. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't end. All's well that ends well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't see how it ends well. Um, do you think she's going to get divorced from Dr. Alan Cook? Boy, not <laughs> too, too few cooks at that point. Yeah. I mean, at least at least wait till his kids get their driver's license. They need her for driver's training. No, I think Jackie's out. I think that's oh. it. I think that's a quick divorce. No longer cooking. No pizza. No pizza. Man. Okay. Um, also, uh, Johnny wants to know, I can't see how they're going to end the Rachel storyline. Just one episode. Why do they have to end it? Let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah, let's just see Season how long four. we can Here we go. Season of Rachel. I mean, really... This is two straight seasons of Rachel not doing much besides hitting Doug Stamper with a rock. I mean, what has she done since Pete Russo died? Hey, Rachel is a survivor. If I would have told you back in season one, Rachel is going to far outlast Zoe Barnes. <laughs> that Zoe Barnes will be a footnote in this show. Rachel, <laughs> Justice Rachel. <laughs> the show will ultimately be about Rachel's rise to power. That's what the show is actually about. In America, House anybody can do great things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are we, are we going to get the spinoff show about Rachel? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yates's book really starts out. Uh, yeah. Fourth of July is overrated. September 3rd is good, but it's also just okay. But <laughs> <laughs> August 10th, uh, is the day Rachel was born <laughs> and Rachel from when from humble beginnings uh, Rachel Rachel Posner the call girl she was a simple call girl and she uh, went and she was was a prostitute like the author of this book but then <laughs> one day she met Doug Stamper and then he paid her to have sex and, and make <laughs> and make Pete Russo fall off the wagon and then it was all uphill from there she tried to kill a man. She had a, a, a gay relationship. She went into hiding. She traveled around the country. And then one day she became Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> Only in America. America works. Was that you reading the book to Doug Stamper? Yes. yes. Uh, uh, Thomas, this is really, uh, you've really gone out of the frying pan and into the fire. This, this book is worse than the last one you wrote. This is really terrible. Oh, man. What, what, what was I writing? What is like, uh, I really think you should see a doctor, Thomas. Your writing has really gone <laughs> down the tubes. At least get some sleep. Oh, uh, God's sakes. Please. All right. So, so you know what they're going to call that book, right? <laughs> what? Better Call Girl. Better Call Girl? Okay. Yeah. Because she's going to become a lawyer? She's a call girl. Oh, well, uh, okay. That's good. Does she have, is, is Lisa the Chuck McGill of uh, Better Call Girl? <laughs> oh, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not for her sake. Where's her space blanket? Oh, man. Did you, did you uh, what does he say? Did you ground yourself before you came and visited her? Yes. At yes. community meeting? Yeah, and she's like, did you go to the clinic? Did you go to the clinic to te get tested for electromagnetism? I raised you all this money. Okay. All right. Well, this has been uh, thoroughly absurd, this uh, House of Cards Chapter 38 recap. Um, I think that we must go, we must uh, go with our hashtag 
Justice Rachel. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna suggest Justice Cashew, but no. I guess Justice Rachel. It that's is. a decoy hashtag. That's one. That's one to throw out there to make everybody shoot that down. And then when we swoop in with Justice Rachel, then everybody will approve it. <laughs> Yeah, After they've already vetoed uh, Justice Cashew. Justice for all. It's going to be great. <laughs> also in the mix, uh, drunk, <laughs> drunk ass Doug, but uh, yeah. not as good. I had dad stamper. Dad stamper. Yeah. I thought right. hashtag dad would be a little overused. I love probably. your dad theory, pop theory, but I just don't know who the dad is. Like, uh, what is like, what is the dad conclusion? Unless we come back full circle to... Frank Underwood's dad's grave in the finale. Do you think that that will happen? I mean, that, that would then, be really and interesting. And he defecates on his dad's grave in the finale. <laughs> he goes number two. <laughs> yes. Dad, uh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I have to, I have to defecate on your grave. He, he one-ups himself. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was I, the only way I could one-up on you. <laughs> you could throw up on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think, I think throwing up not as bad. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, Zach Brooks, here we go. Chapter 39. Uh, Zach, what are we going to be doing for our big Chapter 39 finale? We're going to be coming to you in person with each other. Whoa. <laughs> easy, easy. Uh, don't let people get the wrong idea. But chapter 39 of the House of Cards podcast. We will be together in one place coming to you live. Well, we will be, we'll be recording it live, but not broadcasting it live uh, in New York City. We'll be on the campaign trail in the Big Apple. Yes, we'll be in the Manhattan caucus uh, and we will be answering all of your questions, all the questions that you have from season three, uh, except for the ones about covert operations. Uh, I hope you understand. We won't be able to address those, but any other question you can ask us. Yeah, it's a, it's a training exercise. It's a training exercise of podcast. I, I hope you understand. That's the policy of this podcast. I'm going to bring over my, my bourbon, my syringes, <laughs> my orange juice, all yeah. the liquids. <laughs> yeah. I feel like things don't go well. Uh, in like uh, hotel rooms on House of Cards, but hopefully this will go better for us. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> am I gonna wake up like right before we're supposed to do the podcast? And yes. think it's like the middle of the night, and it's I'm I'm all I'm all D A D and yes, have to come over and do the podcast yeah. drunk. Uh, as long as you're not D E A D. <laughs> well, not yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do the drunk podcast, and then and then I'm gonna end up in my garage. Now, Zach, car don't worry. My bodyguard Meacham will be observing everything. You have nothing to worry about. Uh, I always trust Meacham. <laughs> yeah, Meacham. Even though he reads, he reads, but we don't know what he reads. Scorpio? <laughs> do you think he reads Scorpio? He, he's a he's a closed book. He won't tell you. Okay. All right. So. Zach, uh, this was very, very fun. We've got a lot to do. Chapter 39 around the corner. We will talk to you then. Looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say in the comments. Uh, hopefully you guys liked it. <laughs> I don't know. This could go either way. Let us know who you think will be a better justice. Cashew or Rachel. <laughs> yes, let us know. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.